I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Lemonade. That's the nothing personal word of the day. Lemonade. Now, that's sort of an ordinary word. It's not a SAT word, not a big vocabulary word. Why would that be? Because the National Football League last night found a way to make lemonade out of lemons. I was the first one to critique the NFL for holding the draft. I didn't think they should have. I thought that it was irresponsible to take resources and time away where they could be better spent. And I was 100% wrong. The draft was absolutely important to have. They did it in a very responsible way with social distancing for the most part, if not almost completely. They tried to find a way to bring some sort of live sport back into our televisions, back into our homes, back into our places of quarantine. And they spent a lot of time on it. They had a lot of What's the best way to say it? A lot of collateral material during the draft. People were watching who actually may not have an interest in the NFL draft, who had never heard of any of the players. I'd heard of maybe five of the players. I admitted 10 of the players. I read the mock drafts on from CBS Sports HQ, like 40 of them. But still, they were trying to talk to the masses. And it's a very fine line they had to walk. And I'm going to talk quite a bit about the draft today. But when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I thought it was very important what the NFL did The NBA will go on with its draft. I would now say the MLB, Major League Baseball, will go on with its draft maybe in July instead of June for for MLB. But what we've seen is the NFL is an industry leader in connecting with fans. Now, they've got the product to do it because everyone is so interested in the draft. It's always such a huge event to begin with. The only thing that made me sad about it is thinking about the circumstance in which we're in, looking at the empty Vegas Strip, which they showed where the draft was supposed to take place. I've never seen the Vegas Strip empty, literally empty. Thinking about all of these players and all of these teams, all quarantined, all separate. Thinking about the fact that this is what we have now. We don't know if we'll have games. We don't know when we'll have games. But the NFL did it, and I was proud of it. But I want to talk about what they did, decisions they made, why they made some of the decisions they made, what fell flat, what didn't, what MLB and the NBA are probably going to take from that and try to mimic or take from that and stay far away from. The biggest decision that had to be made right out of the gate by Commissioner Roger Goodell and the 32 owners is how much of the pandemic do we need to acknowledge? Because we're here to have a draft on normal days, you, you, the draft in normal years, Roger Goodell gets up, says a few words, thanks people, gets excited and says, all right, Bengals, you're on the clock. But during this day and age, the question is, what do we do now to honor people who have really their situations have changed so significantly in just the last month or two with unemployment up, with the markets and the economy so down, with people knowing people who have coronavirus, maybe they had it themselves, knowing people who may have died from coronavirus, feeling as though they've been alone and socially isolated. What should we do? That was question number one. They asked it to their agencies, both Hispanic and uh, mainstream, and they said, well, I think we start with a video. 
And I think that's exactly what you do. Whenever you're trying to tug on heartstrings, whenever you're trying to get a little bit of time in there to make sure that there's going to be no technological glitches, just to buy you some time, you pre-tape as much as you can before you know you have to go live. The NFL had to go live reading the first pick, even though the Bengals told us in advance they were going to sign uh, draft Joe Burrow, that quarterback from uh, LSU. But there was an opportunity to pre-tape a bunch of stuff, and that's what the NFL did. Let's start with that intro video. Who would narrate? Often leagues look for a Hollywood star. That's always the go-to in baseball. Find someone in Hollywood. Find an actor, a James Earl Jones, a Kevin Costner, someone like that to basically narrate a video. It, it's, it can be very, very powerful when you associate voices with the, pa- with the power of the game, with the emotion of the game, and voices that you know and that you trust and that you like. So the NFL went to the go-to voice, and this really is very telling. When you want to know why Peyton Manning did not take a job being a play-by-play or being a color man on a, an analyst for Sunday night or Monday night football or Thursday night football or whatever Tony Romo's not doing. I guess he, Tony Romo is doing CBS afternoon games. The fact is Peyton Manning is now a crossover star. When you see Peyton Manning doing a Chicago Bears, duh, Bears, duh, Bulls, with George Went, you know you've got yourself a star. So they had Peyton Manning who did the – narration of the video, I thought the video was perfect. I thought that it was in good taste, and I thought they should have stopped there. But they didn't. And I, I teared up during the video. They honored, they honored first responders. They talked about the fact that we are together. We've all got to be together. And that is the absolute theme of the country and the world. We have to be together because you want to be alone. You want to be a cowboy. It's not going to work. It's simply not going to work. But then they kept going. Roger Goodell, they went to him in his basement he didn't wear a tie for the first time in a couple of years, which was a good move. You don't need a tie. But he seemed a little bit trying to be an actor, trying to be a stand-up late-night comedian host, a late-night show, talk show host. Say that 20 times, Raj. And I, that's not his job. He's the commissioner of baseball. You can show his personality, but there was too much focus on the fact that he likes hugging the guys when they're drafted, and he said he'll miss that, where he gives them chest bumps and thigh bumps and hip bumps. And then the commissioner gets booed all the time because commissioners get booed. If you want to be the commissioner and make 20 to $30 million a year, you've got to be okay getting booed. And Rogers decided to sort of wear it and enjoy the fact that he gets booed. So he had people online on a Zoom call pretending to boo him, one of who was Michael Strahan in the upper right corner of that Zoom call, which I thought was B-I-Z-A-R-R-E. But I guess if you're Strahan, you know, you say yes to these things. So I thought that fell flat on his face. Then they went to a pre-tape of Harry Connick Jr. singing the national anthem on his piano in his quarantine home. All I kept thinking is I wouldn't mind seeing who else was quarantined with him. I thought that was fine. I don't think you need the national anthem before the draft. I don't think that made me feel any more patriotic. What made me feel patriotic was the video, the, the Peyton Manning narrated video. That was great. But then they kept going. And all of a sudden you see Dr. Fauci. Like I don't see enough of Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci gives us another speech standing there. I could only think about who was criticizing the fact that he was taking the time to do this. But he stood there and he said, listen, I don't know when or if football is going to be back. But all I can say is we've got to keep doing what you're doing. And thank you so much to the NFL for taking a leadership role and blah and yah and blah. I'm not saying it's not important what Fauci has to say, but that's during the briefings. I don't think there was a need for him during the draft. So all of a sudden, I'm thinking it's going to be the first pick. 
And then they said, Cincinnati Bengals, you're on the clock. And I thought, all right, that means they're starting. And this was now 8-17. 8-17. It started at 8 o'clock. We're 17 minutes in. No pick. Nothing. Just a bunch. Uh, they had 10 analysts talking about this, talking about that. By the way, shout out to Michael Irvin. You want to talk about a flex brag. That's an expression I learned. You want to call me a boomer? A flex brag can't be a boomer thing. Coca, is that like a boomer thing, flex brag? It's when you have in your background things that are so unbelievable. And it, oh, it's just a flex? <laughs> By the way, that was boomer of me to say it's called a flex brag when it's just a flex. He had all of his um, Lombardi trophies behind him, which made me smile. And somehow he got his outfit to match. He looked great. Uh, I think Tua had the best outfit of the night, I would say. Maybe it was Irvin. Maybe it was Trey Wingo. I don't know. In any case, so they give their thoughts on all these players, and then the Bengals are on the clock, and all of a sudden, a 10-minute countdown starts. I was blown away. I was furious. That means the first pick was not until 8.27. Riddle me that. You've watched for 27 minutes. You haven't seen a pick. Now you'd say to me, that's fine. What's the difference? The people watching are only distracted. They want it to last as long as possible. Well, raise your hand. If you watch the entire first round, I bet you it went till one in the morning. I really do. I didn't even look to see when it ended. I gave up. There was no chance of me sticking around. I was sticking around to see what would happen with the Lions with the number three pick, because that to me is what the big talk was. And I knew as someone who had been in sports for so long that all of this talk by all these analysts was all poppycock. That's, that's a synonym for horse hockey or absolute BS. Big, big before the draft started. The big question is, will the Detroit Lions trade their third pick? And if so, will it be to the Chargers to go ahead of the Dolphins or who are used to who are picking six or the Dolphins who are picking five to catapult up to number three? We are sure there's going to be a draft. The Lions are shopping the number three pick. And if you listen to nothing personal, which I appreciate, you listen. And I told you there's going to be no trades in the top five. Why did I know that? I had no inside information. I know because I've been a part of drafts before. I know exactly what the Detroit Lions were thinking. There's no way they were trading away their number three pick because there was no way that they were going to get overpaid to the point of pulling the trigger. That's what happens when you have a top pick. You only trade it if it is a complete overpay. And in this day and age, when young players on rookie contracts in the NFL or young drafted players in MLB or NBA, you can't afford to miss. And the best way not to miss is to keep your draft capital, to get more draft picks, not fewer. And in order to trade up, you're going to have to give up a lot of picks in later rounds. And those could be players who could be helpful to you. So I knew the Lions were not going to make that trade. And I just found it to be interesting to me that uh, since 2015, there hadn't been a draft with no trades in the top 10. But last night, there were no trades. Forget the top five. There were no trades in the top 10. And it's not because the technology wasn't good enough and people were afraid to make trades. None of the trades were going to be made during the actual draft. Because teams would put a deadline on and say, listen, if you want my pick, you got to let me know by 745. We're going to call it into the league. I'm not going to take the time during the draft to get last ditch deal offers from anybody. That's my cutoff. We would do that at the trade deadline. We would make cutoffs. Hey, if you want to trade with us, here's our deadline. We're moving this player. You better get your best offer by this time. 
I mean, let's face it, the first trade didn't happen until Tampa traded to, they traded, I think, to number 13 with the, with the 49ers was the first trade. And my guess is that that may have come along at the time. On the other hand, when you're only switching 13 and 14, that's something that you can even do by text. You, we do that in the Rule 5 draft in baseball. That's when you're taking minor league players to put on your major league roster. Often there are trades done actually right before the draft, during the draft. Hey, will you pick this guy for us and then trade him? Hey, we'll switch places with you and then just give us an extra pick down below. Those are a little more common when you get down below 10 in the sort of 15 to 30 range. But in top 10, that's just not going to be that way. So without an announcement of a Lions trade prior, there was no suspense. I knew the Lions weren't going to make a trade. So the next suspense for me was, what are the Dolphins going to do at five? That had been the talk of the year. Do you guys remember uh, tanking for Tua? Yeah. Tanking for Tua was what the Dolphins did when they got rid of all of their veteran players before the start of last season. And that's when Tua, he is the quarterback for Alabama, the erstwhile quarterback for Alabama, who was going uh, senior, going to be drafted. I guess he was a senior, Coco. Was he a sen- I guess he had no more years of eligibility. That would make sense to me. Uh, and he was going to be the number one pick. So tanking for Tua means that you are going to tank to get the number one pick. Well, a lot of things happened in the year of tanking. Number one, Coco's telling me he had one year of eligibility left. So he could have gone back, but if you're going to be the number one pick and people are going to tank for you, oh, that's right. We did a whole thing on nothing personal when he declared himself eligible for the draft. Of course, he's going to declare himself eligible because he's going to get paid. So the Dolphins wanted Tua, but there were a ton of other NFL teams tanking for Tua as well. And the interesting thing about tanking for Tua is you had to get the number one pick in order to get Tua. So what happened that Joe Burrow is the number one pick? Well, that's the reason why tanking for a player is not something that teams actually do. This was a media-created frenzy. This was a fan-base-created frenzy. The Dolphins were definitely tanking. No matter what Stephen Ross says, no matter what Chris Greer says, no matter what their coach, Brian Flores, says, they're trying to win as many as they can. No. They were definitely trying to get the highest draft pick they could. When they realized that they were unlikely to get the number one pick, it didn't change their philosophy of who they wanted. They've wanted Tua for a year. What they benefited from was the fact that Joe Burrow ended up having an unbelievable senior year at LSU, and he became the absolute number one choice. Tons of rumors that the Dolphins wanted to trade up to number one to take Burrow. There's no way they were going to trade up number one to take Tua because Tua wasn't going number one anymore. All of the tanking for Tua was gone. It disappeared. And that proves to a front office, and it should prove to a fan base, that that is not a smart plan. You can tank for a pick, don't tank for a player. So meanwhile, number one, number two, number three, number four pick happened. The Dolphins had played a great game, which we talked about yesterday, of is it going to be Justin Herbert? Is it going to be Jordan Love? Is it going to be Tua? Who is the quarterback who the Dolphins are going to pick? Or is it going to be an offensive lineman, maybe a tackle to try to protect Fitzmagic? Well, it was all a smokescreen, and people in the know knew. And the reason they know and they knew is either, either they had connections within the Dolphins' front office or they've worked in a sport before where the bait and switch is a very common thing to do publicly. Privately, the teams were very well aware of what was going to happen. The Dolphins did not need to give a king's ransom to the Lions to move up to number three when they knew that Tua was not going number three and Tua was not going number four. 
They also had a good feeling that the Chargers were fine taking Herbert at six. When you put all that in the hopper, there's a small risk calculation. What if I have the wrong information? What if all the teams are playing survivor with me and they're totally lying and misleading and they're going to outwit, outlast, and outplay me? Is that possible? Yeah, it's not that likely. So the Dolphins got two at five. When they made the announcement, it was amazing. Everyone lost their minds. They were thrilled. I was happy for them. Dolphins have Tua, and now we're going to find out if Tua is actually good. Everyone is so happy here, but they don't seem to realize Tua's got major injuries, and there is no way to know, even though the Dolphins claim that they sent their doctors to look at Tua and everything was good, everyone signed off. There's no way to know that the first lefty quarterback, Tua's a lefty, drafted, I think, in the last, could be 10 years, maybe there was a seventh-round pick 10 years ago, Will he be good enough to be a better-than-average National Football League quarterback? Will he be a transformational quarterback for a franchise who has not had one since Dan Marino, at least one who was good when he was a Dolphin? Is it possible the Dolphins can build their team up to the point and actually make the playoffs? It's a great wait to see. We'll see what happens. So then the first round goes on and on, and everything's good, and Justin Herbert goes to the Chargers, all's well. We find out that he's a good student and he's got a family full of athletes and students and this and that. And I'm paying attention a little bit. I'm getting a little tired. And then I'm reading a little bit about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers went public. He's the Green Bay Packer quarterback. You know that. Aaron Rodgers was drafted and sat behind Brett Favre for three years before taking over. Won a Super Bowl in 2011, I think. Rodgers did. Packers went 13-3. and Aaron Rodgers is the de facto captain of that team, the leader of the team, one of the best players in the league, at least used to be. He was a leader in the union. We talked about him on previous episodes. He led the charge against signing the new CBA. He didn't like it. And of course, it didn't work out for him. He's trying to cross over into mainstream entertainment. I believe he may be dating Danica Patrick, but that may be old. I'm not sure if it's current. But that is something that, uh, you know, he's trying to be a star. He does those commercials. I want to say State Farm. Can't remember exactly what it is. He's not Peyton Manning, but he's trying. So before the draft, Aaron Rodgers did something that surprised me a little bit, actually. And it surprised me in that he came out and said, it would be really nice if the Packers would draft a skills guy for the first time since I've been here. I don't know if he knows or meant since the first time he's been there, but generally a skill guy is a wide receiver or a running back or a uh, sort of a sort of an offensive skills guy is what he means. He didn't mean a defensive end or a Lawrence Taylor type who is the greatest linebacker of all time, actually. So Aaron Rodgers goes public. And if I'm the Packers and he's the face of my franchise and I know that that's not our plan I need to make sure that we're telling Aaron Rodgers exactly what our plan is because I don't want Aaron Rodgers to say that if we're not going to do it. So the Packers come out, it's their turn to draft, and then we find out that they have made a decision and they drafted Jordan Love and everyone went crazy. If you've never heard of Jordan Love, he's the third quarterback in the draft that we were talking about. Will teams take Herbert? Will they take Tua, will they take the Utah State guy, the Ute? Well, that's what the Packers did. They drafted this quarterback named Jordan Love, who by all sort of analysis, he is not ready to take over. Well, that's perfect, actually, because Rodgers was drafted three years before he took over. 
Aaron Rodgers just signed a max deal, a big deal. So he's got four years left. So you keep Love as a as a backup the way that uh, the Patriots drafted Jimmy Garoppolo to back up Tom Brady or the way Tom Brady backed up True Bledsoe. Let Jordan Love learn from Rodgers. Except they forgot to tell Rodgers that. Because if they had told Rodgers that, he would never have gone public with what he wanted out of the first round. The Packers were 13-3 and three last year, and everyone's upset thinking that they were so close to the Super Bowl. Why would they take a backup quarterback who by the time Rodgers retires or by the time you can cut him and not have it cripple your team with the impact it would have on your salary cap, he's already going to be almost done with his rookie deal. The answer is things have a way of working out. If you've identified a quarterback that you believe is the next Aaron Rodgers and you get it right You take them whenever you can get them, regardless of the year. The problem is if you get it wrong, you look like a fool. If you get it right, you're a genius. How do you know the Packers wouldn't have been better if they had taken someone beside Aaron Rodgers the year Aaron Rodgers got taken? Remember how he fell so far down in Rodgers' draft that people were shocked that he fell that far, so the Packers took him? And everyone said, how could you take Aaron Rodgers? You've got the greatest Hall of Famer of all time, Brett Favre. Well, I think that worked out. So the benefit of the doubt, in my mind, always has to go to the team. Until they're proven otherwise, the front office of a team, and this is not a self-serving statement, I'm not in the front office anymore, but the front office of a team always knows more than we do. They always understand what they're doing. It doesn't mean they get it right every time, but it means that they've got more information than every one of the top analysts who you saw on TV yesterday, every one of them. Do you know if every one of the analysts who's telling you what should be done were able to actually do what teams do? Guess where they'd be working? For teams. And I'm not trying to say anything against my fellow people in the media, people with whom I work, who I have great respect for, who are really good at their job. But don't for a minute think. The reason I'm not working for a team is I did it for 18 years. I don't want to do it anymore. That's why I love doing this with you. When you are someone who is an analyst, and this isn't 100% true, but it's mostly true. When you are an analyst, you have this view that you know everything, that you know more. But there's so much that goes into a draft pick. There's so much that goes into running a team. So I'm not going to pile on the Packers. I'm just not going to do it. And the reason I'm not is it's not appropriate. What if Jordan Love becomes Aaron Rodgers? May. So everyone keep calm. So the other thing that went on last night that uh, I participated in and uh, I was wrong to participate in, but I want to mention a few things that uh, happened. Everyone and every coach and every owner and every GM, they were home and they were trying to project an image Some purposefully, some not purposefully. So there's been a lot of talk on Twitter, a lot of social media, a lot of criticism of some of the backgrounds and a lot of comment on some of the backgrounds. And I want to address a few. I want to start with Dave Gettleman's, Dave Gettleman of the Giants and his mask. I want to tell you that I saw, I was on TV, I was watching on TV And I saw as they were cutting away from the Giants, from a shot of the Giants as they were going to make their pick, I saw that he was trying to put a mask on. And I thought to myself, why is he putting a mask on when he's in his house? So I did what I do 
and what I've been told to do and what I realize can feel dirty sometimes. And I went right to Twitter and I tweeted about it, trying to be clever and trying to be, what's the word, snarky, trying to get clicks and likes and follows. And I said, what is Gettleman doing? Is he doing the pick and then going to get takeout? And it got some attention. And a bunch of people had then tweeted about the mask and what they saw. And I thought it was funny because I was on Twitter. You're trying to get traction, right? I tell you to follow me at David P. Sampson, but I want you to follow me because I think you you like my tweets because they're clever. I don't want you to follow me because you you think that I'm doing something that's inappropriate or that I'm saying things that you are so make you so uncomfortable. I want you to be entertained. I want you to laugh. I want you to be thought provoked. I want my tweets to be thought provoking. And I fell into the trap and I apologize. And I read and I found out after I sent that tweet that Dave Gettleman is a cancer survivor. And he was wearing a mask because he wanted to protect himself from any germs from people who were in the house with him. And there were there was an IT employee from the Giants helping to make sure that everything would go off without a hitch. And I didn't know it. And I jumped the gun. So, Dave, I apologize. But instead of deleting the tweet, which many people do, instead of ignoring it and hoping it'll go away, which many people do, one of the things that I promised you on Nothing Personal is transparency. I promise total honesty even when it doesn't make me look good, even when I'm wrong. I, re- I tweeted again saying that I was wrong and I apologized. I did question why he didn't just have the mask on the whole time. Maybe he was adjusting it or not. But Dave Gettleman, you're in my thoughts. Congratulations on your recovery and congratulations on the position you have with the Giants. And again, Dave, and to everyone who read that and thought that that was worthy of being made fun of, I apologize. But what about Jerry Jones's yacht? I'm not going to apologize for the yacht. I thought it was fantastic. Jerry Jones, who, by the way, earlier in the day, a rumor came out on Twitter that he was doing the draft by himself. He told all scouts to stay away. He was going to ignore any scouts and what they had to say. So Bleacher Report, who is another company, they ran with it. They even alerted their followers and their opt-in people that Jerry Jones plans to do draft alone and lock people out. And I didn't pile on because... I just wasn't ready to, and I wasn't in the mood. I may have been grumpy when I read it. And then the original guy who tweeted Jerry Jones was going to do it said, guys, I was kidding. So Bleacher Report was totally despondent. That is the era we are in. You aren't going to get it right all the time, but when you get it wrong, come out and say you got it wrong. Yeah, Jerry Jones was on his yacht, and I was fine with that. It's his yacht. If you want a yacht, be as successful as Jerry Jones. Stand up and buy the Cowboys when no one else was buying them, and then make them into a multi-billion dollar company. Are we jealous of his yacht? Yeah, and that's perfectly okay. What I wasn't jealous of, however, was Ron Rivera and his easel that had a picture of the Redskins logo on it. Didn't like that. Don't know why he had to do that. I thought that was a very bizarre sort of background. It looked so forced. When they know, the Redskins know, they have such an issue with PR, with their team nickname. Why would you go with that if you're a new head coach in Washington? It made no sense to me. There's also been quite a bit of attention on Zach Taylor's banal background. That made me laugh. Sort of looked quite ordinary on purpose. As opposed to Cliff Kingsbury, he looked like he was in the middle of a Norman Rockwell shot. Compared to Ryan Gosling, rumor is that's where Crazy Stupid Love was filmed in his house. He looked totally relaxed. The point is, there are so many different ways to look, and they're all okay because everyone got the job done. 
far be it for me to be critical. The NFL, do I have some bones to pick? Sure, but it's a little nitpicky. You guys did it. Congratulations to the NFL, to all the players who were drafted, and to all the teams who made the draft picks. Half of you are going to nail it, and the other half are going to get nailed. All right. Still watching movies every day. Someone actually sent me a DM. It was not a So You Want to Talk to Samson, so this isn't a So You Want to Talk to Samson, but this was a, uh, a favor and a question during time of quarantine. Could you please give me your top five Gene Hackman movies? I thought to myself, what a great segment to do. Gene Hackman, you know, has been in a ton of movies. Uh, anyone familiar with Gene Hackman? If you had to guess how old Gene Hackman was, how old would you guess? Well, Coke is going to check for me. I think Gene Hackman may be close to 90 years old. Can you believe what I just said? Gene Hackman may be close to 90, like 87, 88, 89. Coca, talk to me. However old Gene Hackman is, coming up with a top five for Gene Hackman is not easy, but I did it. Gene Hackman is 90. Thank you, Coca. Just let that sort of marinate for a second. Gene Hackman. Yeah, the guy from Crimson Tide with Denzel Washington. Is that in my top five? No. Here we go. Top five Gene Hackman movies. Number five. The best picture winner, French Connection. You're going to be scared because it's old. You're going to think to yourself, so far before I was born, before maybe my parents were born, watch it. The French Connection, number five. The number four greatest Gene Hackman movie, and this will be the most controversial because most people will have this as number one, but I had it as number four. Hoosiers. I loved Hoosiers. Absolutely. It is a great sports movie. Gene Hackman, and when he gives the speech to rile up his players, if you don't get excited and ready to jump through a wall for your coach and your team and your fans, then nothing will get you excited. That said... He's got a lot of great movies. The number three top Gene Hackman movie. I hate to say it's a movie with Sean Young, but it is. It's a movie with Kevin Costner as well. It's called No Way Out. Gene Hackman plays a member of the cabinet in the White House, and he is having an affair with Sean Young, who happens to be in love with Kevin Costner and happens to die. Sean Young does. And the question is, who did it? Was it Kevin Costner? Was it Gene Hackman? And Gene Hackman hires Kevin Costner to find the killer. It is a phenomenal movie. It's aged perfectly. I watched it again within the month. I think within the last month for sure. Top three Gene Hackman movie. Check it out. You will love it. It's called No Way Out. The number two movie is part of my quarantine lifetime best picture challenge. It's Unforgiven. It's a Western. You may associate it with Clint Eastwood, but you shouldn't. It's a movie that is, uh, it's actually perfect. You may not call it a Gene Hackman vehicle, but Gene Hackman is an important part of that movie. It's the second best movie Gene Hackman's ever made. It's not as important as the number one movie, maybe not as spiritually exciting as Hoosiers or as sort of the intrigue that French Connection has or the absolute thrill that No Way Out is, but Unforgiven is just a really good movie. And it's not like it's a spaghetti Western. It's not like the Wild Wild West, which I think is Coca's favorite movie with Will Smith, Coca's favorite actor. And Kevin Klein. It's not that. It's not a spaghetti western with John Wayne. It's not like Three Amigos with Martin Short and Chevy Chase and Steve Martin, which, by the way, is one of the funniest movies you'll ever see called Three Amigos. It's a real western is what Unforgiven is. And the number one 
Gene Hackman movie. Dun, da, da, da. Get it? Mississippi Burning. Mississippi Burning is a movie with Willem Dafoe and uh, the woman from Fargo who won Best Actress for a bil- three billboards outside Ebbing, uh, Ebbing, Missouri. Oh, my God. Who is it, Coca? I'm having, she's married to one of the Coen brothers, and she's incredibly um, – she's an activist. Oh, my God. Please check this, Coca, because I'm not going to GTS at the moment, but get in my ear with who is the what – is, what is her name in Mississippi Burning? Mississippi Bur- Burning is about murders that took place of three black men down in Mississippi by the KKK. And Gene Hackman is in the FBI and partners with Willem Dafoe. Gene Hackman is sort of an old-time FBI guy and Willem Dafoe is a new FBI guy. And they have to figure out how they are going to catch whoever did this in an era where there was such unbelievable racism, where they were hanging black people from trees, where it was not safe. Francis McDormand, thank you so much. God, that was an absolute moment. Thank you, Coca. Francis McDormand stars as well. Phenomenal actress, Academy Award-winning actress. Mississippi Burning is a true story, and it's the most important movie that I've told you to watch in a long time here. It's important because how quickly one can forget what this country used to be. And if you think that there's not racism anymore, you're wrong because there is. It's embedded, and it is the single most destructive, single most destructive, more than coronavirus, more than greed, more than whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, racism is the single most destructive thing that exists in this country and in this world. And you look back at Mississippi burning, and this is, this is what, six, 50, 60 years ago. You think about things that are happening today, progress that we've made, or have we? If you'll watch one movie during quarantine for me, I'd like it to be Mississippi burning. I'd like you to then give me your views. I want to have a conversation about it because I want to know whether I'm the only one who believes that it's so important for us to understand what happened in the past and learn from it. I can't be the only one. That's the top five Gene Hackman. Mississippi burning, unforgiven, no way out, Hoosiers, and French Connection. He retired from acting in 2004. He's currently 90 years old and hopefully doing well. Thank you, Gene Hackman. Thank you. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So you want to talk to Samson. This was too good to pass up. I mean, literally, it's maybe the most perfect. So you want to talk to Samson of all time. So you get into my Twitter, get into my Twitter and DM me, ask me a question. I'll answer it. That's different than the end of month mailbag pod that I'm going to do. That's when you rate and review five stars on Apple and ask a question in the review. And I'll cover that during the end of month bonus pod. This was a so you want to talk to Samson. Get ready. If you were the Red Sox, would you offer hush money to J.T. Watkins in return for a NDA? That's a non-disclosure agreement. And that question means, let me rephrase it. Great question. Are the Red Sox concerned that J.T. Watkins is going to be so upset that he was the fall guy? Is he cons- are the Red Sox concerned that he would go public and name names of players who helped him, name names of players who actually benefited from the sign ceiling scandal? Will he come out and say, hey, I was doing this in the playoffs as well? John Henry had a statement yesterday that said, I am so thankful that this is over because I want Red Sox fans to be able to celebrate the 2018 title. They couldn't properly celebrate if they thought that we got that the way the Astros got their title by cheating. We needed to be completely absolved, and we were. This was an employee who did it sporadically during the regular season only. Really, John? That's the story you're going to go with? Come on, man. So would you pay hush money to guarantee that J.T. Watkins says nothing? All he has to do is sign a paper that's saying he will go to the grave and never divulge ever anything any player who participated, any game that was impacted, any series, any playoff game. He won't say a word. He won't say whether the manager, Alex Cora, Alex Cora, walked in and discussed it with him. He'll never say if Sam Kennedy or John Henry or Tom Warner or Dave Dombrowski will never say a word. And the question is, would I, if this were my team, would I pay hush money to make sure that JT Watkins stayed quiet? By asking that question of me, what it really means is I don't know that you've properly listened to the archives of Nothing Personal. And as I sit here in episode 122, plus the bonus pods that we've done and the mailbags, I want to tell you that no, I would never do that. And the reason I would never do it is I would never have been in that position ever. I would have stood up and I would have acknowledged what went on and I would have taken full responsibility. And I would have made sure that every bit of culpability that anyone in my organization had, that was it would be brought to the forefront. Because when you start paying hush money, when you start getting NDAs, you leave a stream, a stream of evidence that will always come back. Whether you're the president of the United States or anybody else, it is never wise to try to buy people's silence. It doesn't work. There's no reason to try to do it. All you have to do if you're John Henry is say, listen, JT, I'm sorry. You're going to have to be let go. There are people who get take the fall for when actions happen. We're going to take care of you. I promise you that because we know very well that you will never get another replay job in baseball. And that's what you love to do. 
You were an innocent bystander here. You were a participant. Can you be a bystander and a participant? That's sort of an oxymoron. You were an innocent bystander here, participant. You were an innocent participant, and I'm going to make sure that we don't turn our back on you because that's what the Red Sox have done. They've completely turned their back on him. That's what Major League Baseball has done because in their effort to clean their hands and to get the narrative away from sign stealing, they made J.T. Watkins the scapegoat. So no, I'm not going to offer hush money. But part two of So You Want to Talk to Samson. How much would I offer if I were to offer hush money? Well, replay officials, let's say, make around $60,000 per year. That's my guess. Maybe up to 70, not more than that. Maybe down as low as 50, 45. They also get a per diem uh, when they're on the road and they have expenses paid for on the road. They get hotels, et cetera. So if JT Watkins were suspended for a year, can't be a replay official. There's nothing else he can be. He's not going to be a coach. They're not going to bring him in. They could make him a scout and pay him a little less, like an amateur scout. Maybe they can make him a professional scout and have him go to major league games and scout some games. But the way it goes now, there's much more scouting done through TV, so there's not as much travel. So let's just say over the two years, he would be making $100,000 or $110,000 total. So what premium over that would I need to pay in order to get him to be quiet? Would I have to pay him as though he's going to be the replay operator for a decade? No, because those positions usually don't last a decade because they last generally as long as the manager. The manager has the greatest say in who the replay official is because the manager lives with that kid or that man. The manager and the bench coach and the players, the players come and go, managers come and go too. But it's sort of like being in the White House when there is a change in the president and it goes to a different party, the odds are you're going to lose your job. So you leave a note with instructions. I learned that on the West Wing from Josh Molina, I think, or maybe maybe Allison Janney or Richard Schiff. But either way, maybe it was Rob Lowe. You sort of leave a note and say, hey, this is what to do. If you have any questions, give me a call. That's what replay coordinators do. Also, when a new manager comes in, the odds are there's going to be a new video guy. So let's say that your manager has a three-year deal. He'd be a replay guy for three years. Eh. I give him 150 grand for his silence. Don't cut and edit that, Coca, because I wouldn't actually do it because I wouldn't need to do it. Thanks for the question. So you want to talk to Samson? I wouldn't offer hush money to JT Watkins. Wouldn't need to. ML Beer Challenge. Did you like it yesterday, the Survivor? Now we're a day after the final tribal. It's day 40. Coca, can you believe that our beards are 40 days old? Can you believe that we've only just begun? We have to grow these beards until Major League Baseball plays opening day. Now, you've been trimming your beard, and I haven't, and I've got some hairs that are beginning to grow over my lips. If you're watching this, you can maybe see them. If you're listening to this, just picture it. My concern is that if the hairs continue to grow and I don't trim them, I wonder if they could be stitched together from upper lip to lower lip, and I wouldn't be able to talk or breathe, which may be positive, except for my loyal people here. You'd be miserable. You guys hate it when I even take a day off. Anyway, it's day 40. I'm going totally off the charts right now. You know, I've been doing the NBA. First, I started part of the beer challenge. It was invented to give $1,000 a day for 100 days to different charities who are being helpful. COVID relief, COVID-19 relief to kids, to adults who've lost their jobs, to seasonal workers at at ballparks or near ballparks, at or around ballparks or arenas, to first responders, to anybody, food for kids where there's no school. 
So I did all the MLB teams. Then I started with the NBA teams. But I'm taking a slight detour today because last night I watched the draft. And part of the draft was a draft-a-thon, the NFL draft-a-thon, where they had players like Tom Brady. I don't know if Dak Prescott, he may have been on it. A bunch of good players, and they were doing all these fun things, but they were raising money. They were raising money. They have a relief fund. It's at NFL.com. Is that a backslash or a forward slash, Coca? Check the uh, rundown on, on, uh, that, that we have. When it goes from the upper right to the bottom left, I never knew if that's a backward slash or a forward slash. I think that's a backward slash. Anyway, I'm going NFL.com backwards slash relief. That's where the money's going to go. $1,000 for today, the ML Beard Challenge Day 40. Oh, it's a forward slash. Are you positive, Coca? Upper right to lower left? He's never wrong because he has the benefit of the inter-Google while I'm doing the show. And you know that we don't edit. I don't know if you saw this week. I think part of the show was at the beginning when I actually had a total mistake during word of the day. And normally I would just do it. Coca's saying that's a common misconception, thinking that upper right to lower left is a backward slash when it's actually a forward slash. Well, now I know, and now you know. NFL.com forward slash relief. Please, if you can give 19 cents, $19, $190, give anything, $18, $36, $72, $144, a dollar a day, anything you can do. I know these times are hard. Believe me, I really understand it, but we need to do this together. NFL, great job, NFL.com relief, ML Beer Challenge, day 40. All right, wait to see. It's a big day for a wait to see because a lot of my wait to sees of previous shows were based on the draft. Now, so many people, I've actually had this as a very commonly asked question. Friends have asked, people I don't know have asked, whether it's in Twitter or Instagram. I just found out Coca, by the way, on Instagram, where I'm also David P. Sampson. I don't post that many photos, but I did of us day 39 yesterday. I found out that people can message you on Instagram. So I had all these requests and all these people that so you want to talk to Sampson's and all these people who had thoughts on Instagram and I'd never known about it. So for all the people I've never responded to on Instagram, I apologize. I'm going to try to get to those now, now that I know they're there. I guess it's people without Twitter who hear about So You Want to Talk to Samson. In any case, there is accountability at all times. I'm going to revisit every way to see when it becomes time to revisit it, when there's either a yes or a no. They either happen or they don't. As you recall, I told you that the investigation into the Red Sox will find that the Red Sox for sure broke the rules. And it did. That's a yes. I also told you the Red Sox are guaranteed to be punished less severely than the Astros. And they were. That's a yes. I think it was just yesterday I told you there'll be no trades of the top five picks. And there weren't. That's a yes. Then I told you that Tua would not be drafted in the top five. I thought Tua was going to fall. That was a wait to see for months ago. I thought he'd fall. He didn't fall. That one was wrong. Tua was drafted number five. And then I thought when the draft went virtual, I said to you all that there was definitely going to be one time delay, one technological glitch. I thought that was the easiest way to see that there was going to be one time delay or one technological glitch in the virtual draft. And there wasn't. That's impossible. But that's a no. That is five wait to sees taken care of, but we're adding another one. All this excitement about Tua going five and Herbert going six to the Chargers. My wait to see is this. There's a lot of questions. Will Tua play next year? Will he not? 
Will he learn from Fitz or play? What will Herbert do? Will he go right into the Chargers and start playing, or is he going to back up the quarterback who's there? Wait to see. Herbert, the number six pick, will have more touchdown passes than Tua in 2020. Herbert over Tua. Dolphin fans, don't be upset. You know what my wait to sees are? They're business. It's nothing personal. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.